Hey, this is Asia Dang. And this is Laura Varney, and you're listening to Heavy Topics with Lightweights. Hey, everyone. Hey. So Laura's back. Laura's back. So we've been uploading every week our episodes, but in reality, we actually, this is our first time recording in a month because Laura had to go all the way to Bali Mm -hmm. for my homeland yoga training. Yeah, I was gone for a little over a month and three weeks of that was a yoga teacher training on a very tiny island off of Bali. And it was amazing. It was really intense. 11 hour days, Mm -mm. six days a week, training, lectures, meditation. Um, Yeah, it was really good. I mean, Bali came at a perfect time for you. Yeah, Bali came at a good time for me, and it was um, like a really you like literal experience. Eat, drink, love, like maybe not eat, pray, love, eat, pray, love. Well, it's so funny. Eat, drink. Well, on this podcast, that is. (laughs) I totally thought it was eat, drink, love. (laughs) I mean, she did a lot of that, but it's funny because the training that I went to, um, it was all girls. I mean, guys are allowed, but it was. 23 of us women and only four of us were from the U.S. Like everyone else was from all around the world, Germany, um, Switzerland, France, uh, Dubai, wherever. And I'm, I noticed like the second you get into some really intense shit because you're like doing these eye gazing meditations and like, Ooh, um, that would make me very uncomfortable. 24 hours of silence and whatever You did else. 24 hours of silence? Yeah. It was, <gasps> How it was did really you feel cool. after that? So, you know what? I wasn't nervous about it. Um, Like a lot of the girls were like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do this. But I actually found it, it was weird. And I, you have to like talk about your experience the next day when you're done. And I, the night of like the day, whatever you walk around, it's kind of weird when people talk to you. If you're like walking on the beach, you just try to like avoid people. Um, But the night of, I, instead of going back to my room, because I was living with one of my girlfriends, we went to the training together, I didn't want to go home because I was like, I'll be tempted, like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not supposed to be socializing. So I went to the beach and, like, laid on the beach and stared at the stars, and I swear to God, like, I had this really weird experience where I felt like I was on mushrooms or something, and I was like looking, no, <laughs> that but I had been, needs to be asked. but I had been 24 hours of silence and like we had been doing some intense meditation and like deep internal work, like lots of journaling mm-hmm. and all this stuff that I don't do on a daily basis here. And I'm like looking up at the sky and I'm like imagining like how I could build a ladder and climb up to the stars and like slice the sky open with a knife and like all this weird shit. And then I like, I look at my phone and I'm like, okay, I've been here for like an hour and a half. I should go back. And then I'm like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> what happened to my mind? Like, I think so I could weird. totally do 24 hours of silent. Does, does humming count? Um, because I feel like I'd be silent. Like I don't have to talk to anyone. Like I would love well, to Well, here's the thing. Anyone. The 24 hours of silence involve includes like no reading, no phone, no nothing like that. Like I had my phone just like I had all the notifications off like airplane mode. I could only look at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can't read, you can't even write. Like you're just supposed to like be with yourself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if I could do that. It was interesting, but, but what I was saying is like, 
it was such a great experience and I'm so glad I was there and it um I did miss home and I missed aspects of home but it's hard to like be in that way of life living life like that for four weeks and then come back to Los Angeles and be thrown into (laughs) it and you're like it's such a major culture shock you know I mean I feel that way when I just go home to Hawaii Mm, I bet I mean it's much on a lesser level than Bali, obviously. But even when I go home to Hawaii, it's just like I break from everything. Yeah. Even when I have stuff to do, I know I won't do it at home just because I want to be there. And then I come here and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But also that's why I left Hawaii is because I didn't, I didn't right. like Like you can't, I couldn't, I don't know if I could do it forever. Like with, I think with kids, I could do something like that for a short period of time. Like, you know, Hawaii. Yeah be like away from the city but it's just such a different way of life and yeah so well welcome back thank you I'm so happy to be here with you okay so since this is our first time back in a month shall we read some of our we shall I do have to say we've gotten a lot of really supportive um, Instagram messages about our podcast and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to tell us how much you love us (laughs) yeah that's Seriously, like so nice. we sat down today and Asia showed me an Instagram message and I was just like, oh my God, that the words are so kind. Like who would say this to mm-hmm. us? It was from Michelle. People actually care what we're talking about, which is cool. I'm on Apple. Apple. Yeah. Okay. You read it. I don't know how to bring up. <laughs> surprisingly awesome. Oh, surprisingly. We got, <laughs> we got five stars from <laughs> Miss Brittany Ann. Oh, hi. (laughs) This is funny, actually. (laughs) Wasn't sure how this was going to be from looking at the cover photo. (laughs) Wait, fair enough, because I'm wearing a sparkly dress with prosciutto in my mouth, and I think you're eating a donut, or are you drinking wine? (laughs) But that's in our natural state. I don't even know what it is. Okay. (laughs) The topics and discussions are real, interesting, relevant, and so inspiring. I love that they post consistently. Thanks for taking the time to create great content. Ooh. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks for not judging us. Yeah. (laughs) Four star. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it? No, no, no. That's the title. And it's from Satorillion. I don't know. The audio volume is inconsistent. True. Sometimes sounds like you are whispering. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then all of a sudden the sound came out bigger. Otherwise, good content. Keep it up. Honestly, the audio is such a struggle here. Yeah, we're really trying, we're, guys. Guys, we are so trying. But honestly, I'm, you pull out like one one inch and you can't It's hear game you. over. And by the way, you can't tell from when you're in the headphone, like when you're yeah. wearing the headphones in here. So then you get home and you start to edit the audio and you're like, oh you're my like, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but also like we're in a professional recording studio and the mics guys are like on our lips yeah we have it good so I can't imagine like we were going to be doing this in our closet so (laughs) Jesus Christ I'm glad we didn't do that I know but yeah please keep on what commenting and liking and subscribing uh to us on all your podcast platforms because we really appreciate the support yeah it's um it keeps us going to be honest like seriously because if you guys all hated it we would have been done like you know, episode three <laughs> we need a little validation here and there and we're only human <laughs> who doesn't tell us you like us we have um my friend nicole she's also my friend yeah, she's your friend by too. the way <laughs> and we're talking about immigration and actually this was um something that has been highly requested by two people 
that we do <laughs> by all just, two of our fans all two of our fans and i i don't even i don't even know how to explain this conversation because it was so eye opening because you think you know but you don't like you have no idea what people go through to become citizens of the United States. Yeah, and not only that, um, well, first I want to say this conversation was very much like the experience of our friend, and I think that's so valuable just to have that human connection and like Mm -hmm. the process that people go through to become citizens, but also the process that people go to to get to this country. Like when we first started this conversation, which you'll hear soon, I was like, whoa, I mean, just... Off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, crazy shit. It's crazy. But really, really interesting. Yeah. I think what you said is really important is it's about the story. Because obviously we have our political preferences, but this is not meant to be politicized in any way. We just wanted to simply talk to our friends about her journey and her process. And we found out so much information that I like, can't I think I just need to like go in the car and drive and like process it yeah because you just you really have no fucking clue yeah it makes me like um feel so grateful for the life I have and the privileges I have and also um just have so much compassion and empathy for people who are going through anything to do with immigration because it's really really difficult and it's so complex and this system is complex isn't even the right word for the no. system yeah, convoluted. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is really, it's an, it's interesting cause it's coming from someone who we know and we care about and also interesting because there's a lot of like valuable information and we learned a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely just listen to this with an open mind and just like listen to the humanity aspect of it all. And then, you know, once this conversation starts, I think maybe change will happen only if you understand really the small complexities of all of it. Is complexities a word? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) For sure. Cool. Right? (laughs) Complexities is a word. Who knows? And it sounded really nice when you said it. We finished an entire bottle of wine. I mean, that that was like such a sweet ending. And then I totally fucked it up. I know. But that's what makes this podcast beautiful. (laughs) And you know what? Half the feedback we get is like, oh, great information. But I love how these bitches are so real. And there you go. That's That's the fucking truth. We is drunk, motherfuckers. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. um, Yes. So do the spiel. The spiel is um, make sure that you rate and review, subscribe. Why is this like pulling teeth for you? And <laughs> let me let me redo that. Okay. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform that you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it might be, Anchor. Also, rate and review. We love reading your your reviews. We're going to read another one next week. Yes. And follow us on Instagram at Heavy Topics mm-hmm. and on Facebook at Heavy Topics Podcast. Podcast. And if you have any questions, DM us on Instagram or if you want to shoot us an email, we're heavytopics at gmail.com. And also, like, let, just let us know what you want to listen to. Yeah. We want to know what you guys want to hear. That's why we're 
bringing you these great combos. Yep. And if you know people directly associated with those conversations, let us know because it helps us out a lot. Also, if anyone knows a gang member, please send them over. Oh, yeah. We've been wanting to do that. Okay. Anyways. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Um, but first of all, we always start off with a little cheers. 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 Thank you so much for being here. Thank yeah. you. We're so happy me. to have you. So I've known Nicole for a couple years now because she, like what, four, three? I think less? like two. Less? Yeah. Oh my really God. Really less than that? That's it, crazy. But it feels like a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because she is like the creative director of like my management team. So we've known each other very well for uh, quite a while, but just recently I found out about all the stuff you're going through in terms of, what was it like going to court, getting your green card? Was that the day I saw you and you were like, just came into the office, just so defeated. And we had a shot of tequila after to make you feel better. Oh, you remember God. that? Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't even just my green card. It was just, um, trying to hear my court hearing case like it's not even in the process of even getting a green card it's just that situation is just like how can the immigration court system even hear my case wow so it's just getting a date to be heard yes oh god this okay is, yeah i mean <laughs> i can only imagine how stressful it is because i feel like anything government related just takes a long time anyways and yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, I was just telling Laura before this that I feel like we've kind of been able to just like have like really fun conversations with people without actually like truly understanding what they're talking about really. But we like talk to them and we start to understand. But like in all honesty, obviously I know that there's an immigration issue in the U.S. and it's like severely under attack. And I know that um, like there's children in cages and they're trying to kick out the illegal immigrants and trying to uh what prevent uh like government assistance for legal immigrants in some cases now but outside of that like I really do not understand it okay but I think that that's one of the most valuable things about a podcast like this and about having someone like you just another person like Asia and I you know um, come on, because I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. Like we hear what we hear on and see what we see on the news and we can read magazines and whatever else. But at the end of the day, there's so much information out there and there's a lot of misleading information and we don't, we don't know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want you here. Yeah. And we're so excited to talk about this and hear about your experience. Where do we even begin? I know. <laughs> no, but we're there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, so sure. originally you're from the Philippines. Yes. Okay. So I guess we could start with how I got here. The yeah. migration. Yeah. Perfect. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be a long one, but I'll keep it really short. Even the story of the migration here was very intense. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to move here and overstay our visa. It wasn't like that at all. It was... Um, A particular um, person in power um, actually was abusing their power and 
essentially tried um, manipulating the system and charged my father with attempted murder, which he didn't do. <gasps> wow. And um, charged my mother with grand theft, which she didn't do, and tried kidnapping my nephew. <gasps> and um, he successfully did so, but then we had like a court order. It was just a whole bunch of things. And then followed me, like, his men or, like, um, like his bodyguards followed me to school all, every day, harassed me for my parents' whereabouts, for my nephew's whereabouts. And um, I essentially, my parents essentially had to drop me out of school. So in second grade, I was a second grade dropout. I didn't attend school for, like, six months or eight months, something like that. And... It was just a lot, right? And wait, wait, wait. So why? I know. I mean, I feel like governments only do that when they're threatened by certain people. So what did your parents do? Like, were they journalists or? No, this was just somebody who was the head of justice of the Philippines. And he just became obsessed with my nephew, who is my sister's son. And in the Philippines, like, white culture or like if you're mestizo or mestiza if you have lighter skin um they value that more and my nephew was very much a mestizo meaning he was light-skinned um didn't look filipino like mixed very mixed like we're a mixed family um so he just became obsessed with him how old was your nephew at the time he was like six months old <gasps> that's really really creepy that's yeah um, I can all, I mean, how I did he even imagine. come in contact with your nephew? Like, well, because my nephew's, um, father was his, the head of justice's son. Oh, so you're related. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he just became so obsessed and he abused his power in any rate, like any shape or form. He just like completely like flip the switch, like he didn't adhere to my sister's rights as a mother. Um, he just blackmailed my entire family just to get my nephew to be a part of his family. And it was so strange, right? But in that case, um, we had no other choice, right? Yeah. Like what would he, like what would you do? And the Philippines, the way governments are run there, at least back then, is full of bribery. So you're paying people off to keep quiet or paying people off to um, do these tasks that are very manipulative. And you could definitely just like pay someone off to in the government to say that someone did attempted murder or like hide court right. documents and things like that. So for us, like my dad and my mom didn't see like a life there like at, like this person was directly attacking their livelihood so um my family is also very well connected in the philippines so we my mom and my dad were able to actually um flee the country with the help of other government um workers and um escape here to the u.s and that's kind of how our journey began, right? It was just purely out of fear. So I know this was kind of a long time ago mm -hmm. for you, almost 20 years ago, right? Yeah. But 
do you feel nervous talking about this now in a public forum or do you feel safe? Like, Oh yeah. Yes. And no. Okay. Yes. I feel nervous just because, you know, someone could hear this and, um, relate to their family because this is very public and they've been trying to get a hold of us for years still still yeah but then at the same time it gives us more proof and validity of why i need to be here and be safe you know if someone came after me then i could easily go to the immigration courts and say here here's proof because my court case is still um very much running um, so have you or your family gone back to the Philippines? No, we're not, not allowed to allowed go. to. So if you stepped foot on the Philippine in the Philippines, you would be arrested. Mm-hmm. And so it was just you and your parents, right? What happened with no. your nephew? Oh, did he come too? Yeah, it was my nephew, my mom, my sister, my dad, and my brother and myself. So my parents took our entire family. So your nephew's father stayed in the Philippines? Yeah, actually my nephew's father had nothing to do wanted nothing to do with my nephew got it so it made it even crazier that his father wanted everything to do with my nephew Hmm. right like it's like and where is he now he's in the philippines okay and he's is he still in power no he actually passed away okay but his entire family is still yeah there still looking for you yeah and i mean my nephew's dad reaches out to him on facebook and stuff and tries to ask where he is and my nephew just like doesn't want anything to do with him you know Mm -hmm. so what was it like kind of when you first got here at the age of seven eight like coming to a brand new place in such a I would think traumatic way oh yeah like I knew that we weren't going to be going back to the Philippines like because we were living in secrecy at that point. Like, I couldn't see my friends. I dropped out of school. I had bodyguards everywhere on me all the time. Like, I was not living life. And it was, my parents weren't living life. They were cut off. They had to give up their jobs. They had to also be in hiding. Same thing with my siblings. Like, everyone was living in my grandmother's house for months, not being able to, like, leave because they were terrified of what this person was capable of and so when we got here we got this huge sense of relief you know and we were with family family was helping us but I was so young at the time right and also very naive because in the sense where all this trauma happened but I wasn't processing it like I didn't start processing it probably until like four years ago, five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of just like blacked out of my memory. Um, But in a sense, like, I didn't even know what was happening, right? But I did know that my parents, um, they, and this is murky a little, so sorry if I'm like pausing, but I guess when they, like when they flew the country of the Philippines, there were warrants for their arrest, like warrants made by this judge to seek them and for the United States to cooperate and send them back to the Philippines. And um, there was ICE agents like following my parents' every move, my family's every move. And my mom and dad 
recently told me the story about how we were all living in my aunt's house and ICE agents swarmed the entire house at four in the morning and knocked on the door. My uncle opened the door and they just came in and there was like six agents on the staircase and were looking for my mom and my dad. And they took them for questioning without telling any of us, like any of the siblings or any of the children. They just took my parents. And I guess when they took him for questioning, they were just wondering, like, why did you flee so abruptly? Like, what are your reasonings for being here? Um, this, that, and the other. And, like, they just told the truth. Like, there was, like, nothing else to say but the truth, right? Um, and then there was a specific ICE agent who was handling the case who actually gave my parents advice to seek a lawyer who specialized in asylum. So funny enough, ICE agents aren't supposed to give suggestions like that. Mm. But he like firmly believed that my parents and my family needed to escape the Philippines. Like he was just like, I need to help these people. And his gut feeling was like, I need to help these people. And so with his testimony of saying that and his, like, him supporting the fact that my parents were here, we were able to lawyer up, right? Because our visas were expiring, and at that point we were going to end up staying here illegally, and that was not something that my parents were trying to dive into. Like, they wanted a legal route for citizenship. And, and it becomes trickier because... Normally, people don't seek asylum from the Philippines. Like, the Philippines historically is, like, has great ties with the United States. It's a democracy like the United States. Like, it doesn't have, like... People aren't fleeing usually for violent reasons from there, right? Like they are from a lot of other places. Exactly. So it's very unusual for a family like ours to... um, seek asylum so but the ICE agent was like this person who's in power is breaking the rules and it's not the Philippines Philippine government's fault but he is in position so at that point what do we do right um so fast forward to I guess now we're still in the same like we still have the same lawyer that that ICE agent wow wow it um referred to us do you have any connection to the ice agent so i've been trying to get my lawyer to find him yeah because after our case because he plead the fifth on test like giving us advice Mm. and testifying i think he had to retire like wow you couldn't you can't really do your job after you kind of i don't know like betray your job do you think if you guys were to have escaped today that this would have ended up in the same place oh no gosh no oh no it also like when 9-11 happened my parents were also like thank god we came in 1999 Mm -hmm. right yeah because there'd be no way then to because or at least around that time yeah when 9-11 started happening things were even getting harder and harder for us right and 
that and then even now it's getting harder and harder for me. I mean, I'm the only person in my family whose court case is still pending. So everyone, your mom, your sister, your dad, your nephew, they all have citizenship? They have a pathway to citizenship. They're getting their green cards. Okay. And you, why, why is it so much more difficult for you? Because there is a certain law that has passed over the years where you can't treat family members seeking asylum as a group anymore. Everyone has to be seen and heard as individuals. But, okay, yes, but still, why would it be more difficult for you versus someone else in your family? Because with my mom and my dad, they were charged with actual... They were charged with something. Yeah, so they, they had something to, like, escape. So they don't take into account that you were a little kid and would have been left by yourself. It doesn't no, even matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter to them that I was um, attacked. It doesn't matter to them that I was um, beat up, followed, um, harassed, saw my parents um, get shot at, you know, witness kidnappings. I have to go into court and relive these experiences and defend that I need to be here. Um, And I've testified this over and over again. And I still have to be seen as an individual. Okay. So the day that I saw you, you were reliving. I mean, I feel like you're getting emotional right now. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just have, that's, you were just reliving what you are telling us Mm -hmm. in court. And they said, not good enough. Oh, it's not necessarily that they said not good enough. They were just like, I don't remember that day. Whenever I go into court, honestly, I block it out. I was just so discouraged just because we thought that we were going to be given a ruling that day. Just to be seen. mm -hmm, Just to be seen. And mind you, I've been doing this thing for 20 years. So after 20 years, you're you're asking the courts to see you for 20 years and at that point if you get another word saying that they're not going to see you or that certain rules have changed that made it hard that's making it harder for you to obtain you know your status you're just going to lose your mind you know okay so just for our listeners and I'm sure for us um as someone who came into this country, and you're working, you've been here for 20 years, explain to us how how you're able to do that, how you're legal or not legal, and everything else you kind of have to go through to have your current status. What is your status? I am a DACA recipient. And so that is the t- title of the status? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I've always heard of that, but I've never, I just thought that, oh, recipients. I didn't know that that was like a I guess, citizenship status? It's not a citizenship status. It's more like a right to work. Mm, And go to school? And go to school. Okay. But more so a right to work. Okay. Um, So in all essence, in the citizenship game, I'm a resident of California, and I'm a U.S. resident but I'm not a U.S. citizen. How does that make sense? I don't understand. 
right I mean I don't either but um I don't make the rules here (laughs) um basically I've been living here so you're not illegal you can be a resident and still be illegal see this is already so fucking confusing that's that's the problem yeah that's I mean I have a couple other friends who are who are illegal and they don't even they don't understand even like the pathway of how to get there. Yeah, that's the thing is that people so make it hard. If that ICE agent didn't help my family, we probably wouldn't know how to navigate the system. But he was the direct source, right? He was like, go to this lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, the lawyer educated my entire family. Um, she, at that point, she was like, you're going to file for asylum. So we filed for asylum. And she's like, with this asylum, because you're filing for asylum, this grants you a work permit and a social security number because you're filing for asylum. And that makes you an asylee, right? So then I have social security, I have a work permit. However, that doesn't give you a right to vote. It doesn't give you a right to government aid. It doesn't give you a right to use any of the resources that a normal citizen sh- would. Even getting like health insurance was so hard, right? For the longest time, we didn't have health, health insurance. Same. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> it was I was about to say, health insurance yeah. is hard yeah. for me as yes. a citizen. Yeah, it's impossible. To understand, so, and to navigate, so I can only imagine what it would be like for you. Oh, yeah, and like, my dad was always sick, and it was horrible because they wouldn't give him access to anything. Even though he had a social security card and he wasn't illegal, he had all the paperwork, but they were still like, you're not a U.S. citizen. So even the system doesn't know what they're doing, right? Like transferring all of this information from immigration all the way to real life applications. Like they don't know how to process all of it. There's there's no like streamlined communication for it all. And it's just like going back to the whole thing of um, how I got to this place of my status I was always an asylee when DACA came about and DACA is deferred childhood arrivals act because my lawyer didn't really see my asylum case going anywhere and this was kind of like a pathway to citizenship that's what they were calling it at least like that's what Obama the Obama administration was hoping to get you're referring to DACA Mm -hmm. okay Um, they always championed it as a pathway to citizenship and, or a safety net just in case my asylum wasn't approved, right? It was like an additional safety net. And so my lawyer transitioned me from being an an asylum status to being a DACA recipient. And what a DACA recipient has is just the right to drive, the right to work, but I don't know if all DACA recipients have the right for social security or if I'm just a special case where I got social security through my asylum asylum. status. Mm. So even that I'm confused with, right? Because everyone's situation is so different. Um, So DACA is just when you are brought by your parents into the country. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you were brought 
into the country by a certain year. I think it was like 2005 or something. Don't quote me on this because I don't read legal documents every day and memorize it on the top of my head. But I think it was like prior to like this year, if you were brought into the country and you were under 25 years old, um, you will qualify for DACA. After that, you don't qualify for DACA. So what's the difference between DACA and DREAMers? Oh, that's the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's just that the media or whatever likes to coin them as dreamers mm -hmm. um, because DACA just doesn't sound as sexy as totally. being called a dreamer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I guess, like propaganda, right? Or like um, not necessarily propaganda, but marketing. Like how can you market a DACA recipient into the media spectrum and how can we talk about this population of people who are being affected and we are dreamers at the end of the day because we came here with nothing we didn't know we were coming here we were just following what our parents were deciding for us we plopped into a different country and and then once you start navigating this country then you realize that there's you don't have a future right and you're just kind of sitting here like what do I do, like, if I can't apply to school or if I can't do certain things? Like, am I just going to work at a retail job for the rest of my life? Like, I remember I had to switch my major so many times because every job that I was looking into required you to be a U.S. citizen. Interesting. Like what? So I've always wanted to actually work for the environmental um agency like a government agency and it says u.s citizen required so then i was like well fuck it i can't be an environmentalist anymore like gotta switch my major and then even with um businesses like opening a business like in for that you have to have your um citizenship and even to be a lawyer right to take the bar and all these things, perform to be a doctor, to have your medical license, things like that. I mean, it's improved a lot more now. Like there's legislation that people, like DACA recipients, dreamers have pushed along. But back then, you literally didn't have a choice. You had no future. You couldn't do anything. It's so interesting because that's like exactly the argument of people who are trying to prevent people from coming into the country is that you know, they're lazy. They don't want to do their part, yada, yada. They don't want to work. But you literally cannot, your hands are tied. They're preventing you from yeah, working. they're preventing you from working. But complaining and saying that you don't want to work. It's funny because we were talking about trauma on our last episode. And we were saying how trauma is basically like when you are put in a situation that you didn't like, you didn't have control over. And then you like reap the consequences of that. And that's exactly what this is at the end of the day. Not that your parents were trying to put you in a bad situation because clearly they were getting you out of a bad situation. But as a DACA recipient or as a dreamer, you're put in another country that you weren't really like, you didn't make that decision to go there. And now you have all these consequences and you have to just deal with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I used to actually yell at my parents every day saying like why the fuck did you take me to this country 
this country fucking sucks. And I would say that to them because I was dropping out of school. Like I didn't have a future after high school. You know, I was just, I didn't care for college because what college? There wasn't a future for me. I would look at all these things and desire to be that profession and never could apply myself to them, right? And I would say things like, you took me to a country that doesn't want me. You took me to a country that hates me. I don't know what I did, but people don't like me here. And how can I get up in the morning and be motivated with the idea that there's people walking around side by side, my classmates, my teachers, everything like that, and they don't want a future for me. And even the system doesn't want a future for me. And that was like a big thing with my family, you know. And they would always call me ungrateful because I kind of was, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's hard to see that, though. When I mean, you're younger. Yeah, when you're younger. Yeah. Definitely too hard to see, like, what they were sacrificing to give you a better life. Because all you saw was hate. The hardships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but now I'm like, I'm trying to keep everything that I do have, right? So I want I want to stay here. I can't imagine myself living anywhere else. America and the American dream, I think, is still very attainable for me if people just saw me as a person, you know, like didn't see me as an enemy or didn't see me as a threat or didn't see me as lazy or not paying taxes or... All these things that the media portrays are a criminal. Like, what what did I do that was so criminalizing? You know, like, we went through the legal system. It just takes a lot of years and time and money and energy. And, you know, if anything, the American government has earned a lot of money through me and my family. You know, with that's a really good point. That is a really good point. Through filing paperwork for providing lawyers and their businesses jobs for their judges to see me in the court every day. You know, a DACA fee, I believe now is around $400. And that's just for every two years I have to apply for that so I could have a right to work and to have the right to drive. And that's it. Yeah. And and multiply that with the amount of DACA recipients. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Out there. Wow. I mean, it's it, uh, it's so weird. Like, that. I think that's the part that makes me really mad is that people are profiting off of this. People mm-hmm. are profiting off of all the shitty shit happening in our country. And that's why there's no change. The thing is, there has to be a system, right? Because if there's not a system in place, then, like, things are going to fall through the cracks and we're going to have problems regardless of what country you're in. There's got to be a set system and rules and how to get through there. But I feel like there's, there's more than two major issues, but just two that I'm really seeing are that the system doesn't make sense and that no one understands it. Number one, number two, it's like, I feel like, Well, no, not I feel like. It's definitely the media portrays the system and immigrants, period, in a negative light consistently. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's just no, like, how do you get out of that? There has to be a way out of that. You know what I mean? Or there's never going to be a positive change. I feel like that's where our generation comes in. Yeah. Like, cause we're starting to become more vocal. We're starting, starting to become more aware of situations that are unfair yeah. and unjust. Now is the time where you're seeing that kind of public outrage that, that then turns into action. And it's all about education. Like, yeah. th- like this is a small podcast. We have three listeners. Yes. <laughs> However, those three listeners are in this room. <laughs> <laughs> no, our parent, our mom. No, my mom. I don't even think my mom listens. My mom dad still thinks it's on the radio. Mom, so if you're know. listening, text me and tell me that you listen because I'm pretty sure you don't. Um, but it's, it's all, I feel like it, a lot of it is education, but it seems like such a daunting task. Like you're one person. You know what I mean? You are one person out of all these people going through something, not the same thing, but something very similar. And it's like, what is the answer? Yeah. And the wildest thing that I've learned in terms of sharing my story more and more every day is that my immigration story is completely different than the next person, Mm -hmm. right? And then on top of that, no one wants to ask us these questions like, what is it? What is DACA? Right? Or how are you feeling if you, like, how do you work? Right? Or how, like, how do you, do you pay a fee? You know, like those yeah. things. They like, kind of just assume they know by the information that's given to them by I whatever media that, source. That I think it's told. that. And I think it's also like people are afraid to ask because they don't want to offend someone. I mean, you know I, I, I mean? totally understand, yeah. which I, I get. I would never, and un- I would never talk to you about this outside of this podcast, just because I wouldn't want to absolutely offend you or yeah. seem kind of dumb by asking these questions. Mm-hmm. But that's also why we started the podcast. Yeah, but also, so you're feeling that way, right? But even as an immigrant or a DACA recipient or or undocumented citizen, anything. Um, that is not a non that anyone that's not a citizen we are trained not to communicate these things to outside people like my parents have said don't talk about this in public like interesting well because they're scared and embarrassed yeah embarrassed right like completely embarrassed and we don't want to feel othered right And there's so many people who easily can other you. And also bullying is a thing. And you just want to assimilate and feel normal and not feel all these insecurities. And you don't want to really live these experiences that are so traumatic. So why would I also want to communicate these things to other people? But... As my healing has progressed more and more, I'm just more like, fuck that. Like, I don't, why Why would I, like, this, me talking about it and me being more public about it is me healing, right? Mm-hmm. And me sharing and you asking me questions and knowing that you have other friends that are even in 
a boat that I can't even understand, mm-hmm. right? Like that's being undocumented, like actually not having papers is something that scares the living shit out of me in this climate. And I'm so fortunate and I check my privilege all the time that even though I am not a U.S. citizen, I have the privilege to say that I am able to work, provide for my family, and drive, even if that's the only things that I have. Yeah, and that's what's scary is, like I said, I have two other friends that are undocumented, and for both of them, their stories are different and they're from different places, but it's really difficult because with work, there's no, like, submitting a W-9 or whatever the hell you submit. There's none of that. It's like, I got to be paid cash Mm -hmm. and that cash is going like in a certain place and that's it. And I have to be very careful when I'm driving. I have to be very careful with everything I do that I don't. What do they do for work? Just out of with if you can, I'm just. Curious. I can say one of them. The other one, I don't want to say because it might give it away, or it might. It's just like a little too close to home. Um, one of them runs a like a car washing. I don't want to say a business because I'm sure he doesn't have a business license, but mm-hmm. he has people who work yeah. for him. Okay. Um, the other one runs a business, um, or not runs a business, but has clients and gets paid in cash, mm. and so it's like. So yeah, that's just how that would be how you navigate around that. Yeah, it's really tough. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's my really, parents. Really hard. My parents did not work whatsoever when we first came here, because they knew that if they worked under the table, even as um, on tourist visas, they would get deported. Like you're not allowed to do that. So my parents were living off of my aunts and uncles' loans. You know, feeding five kids. And, you know, that's, I think we're so fortunate because family was the root of how we were able to survive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people come to this country with no family whatsoever, Mm -hmm. just trying to find a new way of life. And and navigating this country, if you don't speak English, and if you um, don't know anybody, let alone have the resources to find lawyers um, or any of these resources around you, then how are you supposed to navigate this system? Like, then are you a criminal, right? That's what the media is saying is like, if you don't have any of these things, then you're breaking some sort of law. So you're a criminal. Yeah. Like if you get pulled over on your way to work because... You were going five miles over the speed limit and they check your license or your identification or whatever it is, you're screwed. Yeah. Like you're done. That's huge. Yeah. And that's something that we take for granted all the time, right? Even I take that for granted. Yeah. Like Like I don't think about that for two seconds. Not at all. Nothing. I don't know. When I drive to work, I'm thinking about. I don't even know what I'm going to have for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, one of the, one of the people who I know drives a, like a bike, like a motor, not a motorcycle, but a, I don't know. Vespa? Moped? No, I don't know these things. Maybe it is a motorcycle. (laughs) It's like a razor scooter. Motorcycle (laughs) because someone told him that cops do not 
pay as much attention versus if you're driving a car. Interesting. So it's like these little things that we don't have to think about at all. It's so scary. Yeah, even getting um, and like a bank account is really hard. Mm. Yeah, like for me, I have to like, I feel like whenever I'm trying to register for a new credit card, I have to like bring all my paperwork, like I'm being investigated by like TSA or something. Yeah. Um, just to prove that I work here because at the end of the day, they see um, my DACA card and they're like, what is this? Yeah. Right? There's no training whatsoever. No. And then I start feeling embarrassed sitting there. And I'm just mortified. And there's been countless of times that I've sat in banks and cried. Because I'm just like, why are you othering me? I'm just trying to deposit. Like I'm trying to give you money. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm just trying to deposit a check here. Like, So you've never voted. No. You you cannot vote. No. And actually that's kind of made me um, a little bit apolitical. Apolitical Mm -hmm. meaning that I just examine all sides of everyone's opinions because at the end of the day, like, no one's going to take my (laughs) opinion anyways. So what do you think of what's happening right now with the immigration reform, quote unquote, and the attack on immigrants and ICE? What do you think about ICE? Oh, that's a lot. Let's take it one step at a time. Um, With the immigration reform, I definitely, definitely think that we are being pawns in some other game that we don't even know about. The public doesn't know about, right? We're being used as political pawns here. Mm -hmm. And two-party systems that we have are not doing anyone any justice, whether you're Republican or Democrats. Like, they're not helping what the problem is they're not helping the root right and the root being the root being is that you know the immigration has to have more of a process that doesn't take 20 years that doesn't take yeah a streamlined process maybe more jobs so people can process their statuses quicker and more jobs for the immigrants? No. More just, jobs in the government. By the way, the hello. Yeah, in government. Isn't that something that we're always looking for? Yeah. Like, create more jobs so this is a more yeah. streamlined, pro- streamlined process. Like, it's mm. a win-win for everyone. Right? But they don't see that, you know? But also, like, if there were people out there to educate how to get proper paperwork, like, social workers strictly for... new coming immigrant families or what have you like that's another role that's another job that could streamline this whole process of quote-unquote illegal immigration and even like you know the children at the border and things like that like most of the time and I I haven't been at the border I don't know what's happening I also stay away from the news a lot because it's very triggering to me. Mm -hmm. So I just hear buzzwords all the time. But what's happening at the border, it's like I could only imagine that they're being held captive at these camps because they don't know where else to put them because they have shortage of manpower. 
right? Like, oh, we don't know what to do with you, so we're just going to keep you here. Could you imagine if you oh my crossed into America with your family, oh my God. your parents got taken away from you, and you were stuck in, like, a detention center at what some of the kids are a couple months tiny. old yeah tiny babies yeah see the thing that worries me about that situation is that's where terrorism comes from that's where hate for this country grows so intensely that what do you think they're going to do to re- retaliate from being put in cages well i'm sorry but if someone put my did that to my child i will fucking kill someone that's yeah. what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like what are you kidding me it's it's like such a and i don't even think that border patrol agents are educated enough like educated about the situation enough or have the resources enough to be more of that social worker to the parent and to the child and say hey what's your situation like how can we help if it's not this country what other countries you know like there is no probably no sit down communication in that sense right it's just more like you're a criminal you're crossing the border we're going to separate you and we're going to keep you here but one person who has like the power if they just created that job to facilitate to solve solutions like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's just my overall analysis of it right i mean that makes sense i mean that's what happened in your case yeah. It happened to have just been the same person, but someone took the time to hear your story yeah. and then helped you. Mm-hmm. I would really like to find that guy. That would yeah. be crazy, like a reunion special. I know. Yeah. I know. God. But here's something about, and you mentioned ICE, right? Obviously, ICE for me is also very triggering. The word is just like my spine, like. Mm-hmm. wants to just like crack itself and just <laughs> it's like chilling like I, I have chills but I also have to see in a different perspective too and this is where I s- say that I ha- I've grown to be apolitical at the end of the day the role is is to quote unquote protect U.S. citizens right it's a shitty thing because a lot of the people that they are protecting U.S. citizens from are not actually criminals. They're defining them as criminals just because they're not allowed to be here because they don't have substantial paperwork. So I see how these people must also feel some sort of, like, why does everyone hate me as well, right? We're just doing our job. Right, because mm-hmm. part of their job, they probably, or they for sure are arresting people who need to be arrested, right? But then there's always the outliers and the people that are just really aren't doing anything wrong necessarily. They're just unjustly being taken. Yeah, and so I So it's, I mean, you can't, yeah, it's. It's, there's always, there's like this major gray area, which is the problem with all, everything you've said, that's the problem is that there's no one way that it's not streamlined. 
it's but then again there's there's also no black there's not a black and white in a lot of these situations yeah and that's what the each case has to be taken case it's like a case by case basis which is maybe why it takes so freaking long to do yeah I don't know for me like ice agents are so terrifying are so terrifying like I can't even imagine coming home and my parents are gone mm-hmm. I mean I've witnessed that where when I was sleeping right yeah. and imagine if that ice agent didn't want to help and didn't hear my parents out and just like took them how different your story would be yeah so it's such a difficult thing because I also have to see it in a human case that are these people intrinsically evil? I don't think so. Mm-mm. They're just doing a them. job, right? But at the same time, are they falling into the trap of, you know, not addressing humanity? And that's where the problem is because the particular ICE agent that I dealt with addressed us with human, like with a human lens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if all ICE agents are addressing these issues with a human lens. I think it all goes back to just being educated. I think now... I don't, I mean, I don't know if taught is the right word, but maybe now they see immigrants as just a job that they need to take care of. Yeah, that's also a thing. Versus human beings. I mean, it's just like such a fucked up situation because there, there isn't one way to solve it. There's not an easy way to solve it. This is going to be an issue forever. But I feel like, especially now with the migration of immigrants coming from what South America due to violence, it's just, I mean, I don't want to go down through, like go down a conspiracy hole or whatever, but what are they running from? They're running from guns that are given to the country from From America. (laughs) Exactly. But you can't get rid of that because who runs the guns in America? Rich white people mm-hmm. is just like not it, it there's it, it, it's not a solution that's there's no solution because the people in charge aren't going to allow their for allow allow for it to be solved yeah and also instead of building a wall and being aggressive at the border i've never heard of like a one-on-one meeting to solve issue the direct issue which is why are these people fleeing your country yeah exactly i mean that that would keeping people in the country safely would be the solution to that yeah like if you didn't have to escape for your life you would prefer to be home yeah in the philippines yeah exactly if only the government protected me and my family mm-hmm. then we we wouldn't be here But then again, like maybe this is destiny, you know? Yeah. Like I'm here in front of you lovely ladies. Well, (laughs) I mean, let's let's get into that a little bit. Because let's say that our uh, 
our photo shoot for Heavy Topics was directed by Nicole. Yeah, that's where I was going with this is like, okay, we've talked about how all the hardships and the negative things about um, your journey into this country and maybe like your early years here. But now let's talk about what's going on now because you have a lot of great things going for you. Yeah, I think most importantly, the reason why I escaped to the arts in general is because I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. (laughs) I was like, well, fuck, I can't work for, um, I can't be a park ranger. I can't can't work for the the EPA. I can't be a stewardess. I love traveling and I've always wanted to be a stewardess actually. I can't fly a plane. I have always also wanted to be a pilot. Fun fact, I actually tried joining the U.S. um, Air Force and they denied me because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. But I would love to serve in the U.S. Air Force as a pilot. Like, I really wanted to do that. And how badass would that be? But, you know, whatever. I've also wanted to do so many different things. And the only thing I had was my imagination, books, and my ability to be hands-on. So then I was like, I guess I'm an artist, right? Like, I guess that's the only thing that I can do. And I think I'd like to say I'm pretty good at it. I think you're pretty good at it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) But that was genuinely what I led to because also... I was always so scared, too, to even, you know, go out there in the world and be so vulnerable that most of the time I stayed alone reading books at home, cherishing my family because I didn't know how much time we had together. Wow. Yeah, like every day I would be like, are we okay? Every year I'd be like, are we going to be okay? And I just hung out with my family all the time and... My mom and dad are so incredibly educated. And my dad um, was and my mom were so heartbroken that I couldn't really travel the world that they would give me travel books to read all the time and like had National Geographic subscriptions. And we would talk about it during like breakfast every Sunday and like You know, so like that was my salvation of just like appreciating my time with them every day just because I didn't know how the climate would be the next day, the next year, and like just being very present. I mean, that's a blessing in itself, I think. Like, I mean, it, it came from maybe a shitty place, but the fact that you were able to understand that like not to take your family for granted and to soak up that time It's something that, whether it's family or friends, you know, something that we could all probably learn from. You have to think about the positives of the situation or else the negatives would eat you alive, right? And that's why I don't watch the news anymore because none of it is helpful Mm -hmm. to my mental state. And, you know, I just stay in my lane now and all I do is just create, create, create and how to help. Like I always think about the two main things is how do I create and how do I help? And that's the only thing that I think about. So I know we're backtracking here a little, but I had another question because you mentioned traveling and how you like really wanted to do that. 
what's that situation for you like now? Kent, are you able to like fly out of the country and travel? No. No, I'm not able to fly out of the country or travel. Um, but when I did go to college, um, I was one of the few people at UC Berkeley to be able to test out their program to study abroad um, as a DACA recipient. And UC Berkeley is one of the few colleges um, that created this initiative. And um, it was under parole, advanced parole. And Obama also championed this supportive network of students, DACA recipients, um, using advanced parole to travel to see um, the world, but also go back to to see their family. So mm-hmm. advanced parole has actually been around prior to Obama, but he you're really, saying you're saying parole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, parole. Advanced parole. But now it's not advised for anyone to use that because they might not get back in. Yeah, you can't get back in. Obama's not president anymore. Yeah, it's no it's no longer <laughs> safe. Are you being are you up to date on um I guess the presidential candidates that um, are running for the Democratic Party right now? I know Kamala Harris is, um, Bernie Sanders. I'm just curious if if you, I mean, I know you don't listen to the, watch the news or anything, but if you have heard any of, quote unquote, their reforms that you think are the most, would, would produce the best change for your situation. To be honest, I haven't really heard anything. Yeah, I mean, because it all it all really does seem like talking points. From hearing you talk about it and what you think the solution is. Right now, DACA is still very much in flux. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but um, when Trump went after DACA, he wanted to diminish the entire program. And then the Supreme Court went in and reestablished the program. Um, but DACA is not a permanent solution at all. It could go away at any point in time. So that's the scary part, too, is that if it can go away at any point in time, what does that mean to all of us, right? Because it was more of a safety net. Yeah, it was a safety net, meaning, like, you can't get deported and you can have your driver's license and right to work here. And that was the only thing that you really can do. And So if, if that is dissolved, do you think you would be deported? Well, Maybe not because you're an asylee. Yeah, so I could okay. revert back to asylum. But okay. that's not everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not everyone. Small Again, portion. I'm a very special case, and there's other other special cases out there. But even with asylum, that's also not guaranteed, right? Like, I have just two options, and if those two options were cut off, I would have no <laughs> options. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to have you back because it's really hard for me to because this is literally all new information and it's hard for me to process what you're saying because it's nothing I've ever heard before ever. Well, I feel like this conversation, like we said, is more about your personal experience and like coming just from one human to two other humans and like talking about your experience. Whereas I think we should have another conversation, whether it's with you or somebody else more about like policies and facts and you know I what I mean? I would love it if 
you and your lawyer could come on. Ooh, my lawyer is so feisty. Until we can have you guys both on, what are some pieces of advice that you would give to someone in a similar situation to you? Oh, wow. For anyone who's listening who is battling the system of immigration, I would definitely just say, like, keep your friends and your family close because they're the ones that are going to keep you going. And to not tap into this mentality that everyone's after you and that this system is out to get you. And really find an organization out there that can help educate you in this process as well. So then you're not necessarily feeling lost in the process and you feel more that there's people out there fighting for for you and other people like us that's really an ally and a resource, right? So there's things, there's organizations like Sherla in LA. Um, ACLU is a really popular one. Um, There's different chapters in whatever neighborhood you're from that have um, immigration reform chapters. Even getting involved in like these town hall meetings in your city and just having those one-on-one connections directly with the key holders of your city or your town or whatever, you can have an impact right there and there with how people navigate you if you were to if you were to voice out your concerns but not necessarily publicly say i'm i'm a doc recipient things like that because no one will ever know right if you don't share but what they are getting is your opinion right like i've been able to navigate specific situations like that where I never said that I was an immigrant. I never said that I was a recipient. I never said I was an asylee, but I gave my opinion and then I was able to impact just because I gave my opinion. Just for people who, um, people on the outside who aren't immigrants, who are U.S. citizens, who see these things on the news and don't necessarily know what to think, um, if they've already listened to this, hopefully they have a different idea and a better understanding of what's going on and maybe more are a little more empathetic if they weren't already. But what would you say to those people just to like kind of squash maybe ideas that they already have and educate them a little bit more? I think the number one problem is that there's biases in our media, right? So you have to really question the media that you're ingesting and also what platforms you're getting your media from and your news from. Because we have to remember that if you get your media from Twitter or social media, they have algorithms that confirm your biases. So the only thing that you're really going to see all the time is if you look up immigrants and you're a Republican, you're only really going to see a Republican's point of view of, um, on immigration policy. 
um, that's being churned out by Republican-funded news media platforms. Um, so then your bias towards immigrants becomes stronger and stronger and more backed because you're searching all of this through an algorithmic-based platform. Similarly with any other political system, right? If you're Democrat, liberal, whatever. And so I would really say, like, talk to people face-to-face and stop relying on your worldview being online. And and in the media period, right? Because yeah. like you said, this is a very, this is a human issue, not a political issue necessarily. Yeah. Like politics come into play as they do with everything. But this is very much a human issue. Yeah, it's a very human issue. I feel like we in LA, LA though, and probably other big cities are just really lucky to be surrounded by people of different backgrounds. Yeah. But if you're not in an area maybe where you have access to DACA recipient, you know, whatever, are there reliable news sources that you would recommend that you read that are unbiased? Honestly, I can't even say that there are unbiased media sources. All of them have biases. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere down the line, someone is funding something. But if you're somewhere in like the Midwest, for instance, and you don't have direct contact with people like this, hit the library, you guys. Study like immigration law or study how the patterns of injustices are because I guarantee you this is just unfolding in different ways right so for instance like Japanese um, internment internment camps the way that the language that they use for the Japanese Americans to place them in internment camps and the propaganda that was used to criminalize them is the same language that is being used for immigrants today. It's the same thing. History is repeating itself. It's just a different um, group of people. And that's the thing. Every single time there is a new president or anywhere in the round of the world, a policy out there is affecting a group of people in a negative way. There is never a policy that is going to help everybody all inclusively and if you study history and you study up on laws and how things are formatted in your in your city or in your town and you just see like kind of get out of your bubble right and fact check am I in my bubble and educate yourself and hit the books and understand everything about it then the more and more you're able to then see where all of these resources are actually hitting or like where are all of these biases actually leading up to. And it's not, it's only really benefiting very few, not us. Yeah. Ooh, There's a lot of info. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time and speaking to us. And I know I just felt like you being on the verge of tears the entire time. <laughs> because this is so like such a personal and emotional 
thing that you've been dealing with for 20 years. You sharing your story with us really means a lot. I know that I can speak for both of us on that because I know that it's probably not easy, but you also understand the value in it. And it's definitely helpful, not just for us, but for our listeners too. So I really appreciate it. And we're so happy to have yes. you here. And we're happy that you're here and we want you to stay here. Yes. Aww, thank you. And yeah. let us know if we can help in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I we're mean, allies. Yeah. I mean, I've never even had someone ask me to speak at this level, you know? Yeah. Well, um, there's step number one, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for letting me be seen and heard. <laughs>